Welcome back to the Film Harmonic with your hosts, Noah East. And Andy Ferguson. This is the uh, second part of our music episode, so this is this will technically be the, the, a bonus episode. This will be a, this will be a whole other episode. Um, so on this episode, we are breaking down the top ten songs and top ten albums of the whole decade. So um, uh, this, this, this is this is heavy hitters. This is some, some yeah. big important stuff. Yeah, this is a big deal because I think that more so at first, almost maybe maybe not more so, but all, almost on the same level as where our friendship started was appreciation for music. Yeah, as well as a, as well as movies. So I think that early on you could argue that we we were into music conversation before film conversation honestly almost. yeah it's, it was close before we before we figured out that we also liked a lot of the same movies yeah <laughs> yeah So this this is going to be a really fun uh, uh, breakdown of the last ten years of music. Yeah. Um, so we're going to start first with the top ten songs. Yes. Of the past decade from nineteen from from twenty ten to twenty nineteen. Um, starting as always with you, Andy. What do you have as the number ten song of the decade? My number ten song, uh, which was teetering on and off, on and off, and then finally on. Uh, at number 10 is a song from 2012 from Damien Gerardo, and that is Working Titles Ooh. Uh, off of Maricopa. You could use to be more like a hero A darker shade of damage distortion Wearing death like a cape or a costume Cut your ties and leave time when you want to Killing time till I pass through the chamber The yeah. first of his trilogy with uh, Richard Swift that yeah. he made. It's a great album. Great, underrated Damien Gerardo album. Yeah, and this is one of the better songs on that album, too. <sighs> this song has an extra special kind of meaning because uh, this song, for whatever reason, kept following me around at different important parts of my life. Um, and then most recently, uh, at a show in... Um, Bloomington in May May 11th of 2018 um, he was opening up for Father John Misty at Upland Brewing Brewing and uh, he is which was odd because he, he even mentioned how odd it was because he used to Josh Tillman used to open up for open him for back him. in the day yeah, yeah. and he was telling this whole funny story about how he used to like give him a place to stay when he was in, in, in town and stuff and then he went into this song and the song for whatever reason really strikes me it's one of my favorite songs he's ever written. Um, and you guys are hearing it right now underneath us talking. So yeah, that's, yeah. That's nice. And that, that day also happened to be the day that I reconnected with who is now uh, my fiance. So we both like, connect to the song on that, that kind of level. That's cool. So it's, it's a little more poignant song. to you, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I dig that. And a year and a half or so before that, we had saw we saw him at the Hi-Fi. Um, and just he just every time he plays this song, it's just there's a different energy that comes yeah. from him, and the audience connects to this song really well too, for whatever reason. Um, yeah. I just think it's a it's a it's an excellent song. It's a gorgeous song. Yeah, yeah. Uh, number ten on my list is not necessarily a gorgeous song, but it is a great one, and that is uh, "Ode to Viceroy" by Mac DeMarco. Okay. Viceroy. Let the 
I feel like on this episode, I, I, I'm not gonna have a Mac DeMarco record on this episode. So I, I but Whoa, I, but I'm I, shocked. I know, but I wanted to at least discuss him, and mm-hmm. uh, I do think that this is, while it might not be his best song, um, this is a very important song because this was the song that got him big. You know, is this also maybe the song that really got you into him? Really, like a lot. I mean, this was the this was when I you know really like started to really really enjoy him the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But this this was his biggest song at that time, and um, it really kickstarted off the the whole Mac DeMarco craze, the the jangle pop you know, yeah, garage I mean, pop phase. And that stuff hit heights that I never thought it would. Yeah, I, I did not think that he would ever get as big as what he is now. It's, I mean, it's I'm kind fascinated of by it. It's great. It's kind of crazy, and Good it's just. And it's a great song. I mean, it's a really great song. It's, I mean, it's it's an it's a love song to his favorite brand of cigarettes. Yeah. And how they're probably going to kill him. Um, and and you know we saw early on that he had this very like silly sensibility, but at the same time could be very serious and and like darkly comedic. Oh yeah. You know, and talk about some 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 real stuff and really like bare his soul a little yeah. bit at the same time while he's being very funny. It, there's more to him than meets the eye. Yeah, sure. and, and I think a lot of that was lost here on this album and, and, and even the next one, you know, where people saw him as just this crazy, zany guy, and, and they really focused more on the antics. And if you really dig into songs like this and other uh, others of his great songs, you do see that there's a lot more to the guy than what you first sure. kind of kind of get at first glance. I would argue that the, the zaniness almost enhances it more makes him more unique because lately his music has lost a little bit of that you know yeah and it shows that he's not so self-serious oh yeah absolutely i don't think you can about him yeah yeah Yeah. and so and i think he's one of the more important artists of the of the past decade so i wanted to make sure that that he got brought up somewhere all right you know so number 10 is mac demarco's ode to viceroy Number okay. nine. We've already started with a couple of artists who are pretty important to us throughout the decade. Oh, yeah. So, um, oh, yeah. Uh, number nine for me is an artist that I, you know, always liked enough. Um, but then they released an album that was a, an ambient record. And in this decade, this past decade that's now gone, I became more f- very focused on wordless music. Yeah. I, I become obsessed with it. Yeah, you and I both. I spend most of my time listening to wordless music, honestly, over half of my time I would say listening to music. Uh, I just find it oddly compelling to immerse myself in instrumentals now because there's so much going on in the world at all times and sometimes I just want to zone out with a piece like this and this is uh, a track called Phantom Brickworks 2 by Bibio. By Bibio, yeah. Yeah. This is this is one of the tracks on the album Phantom Brickworks that is very it's like I think it's track two on the record mm-hmm. and it's about oh f- 17 minutes yeah, long. Yeah, it's a long it's, song. But um it's got this really kind of drony quality that I connected to. And I go back to this track a lot. Um, so much so that I had to put it somewhere on here. And so I have that track as number nine on on this list. 
it's got this very um, almost like submarine quality, like submarine kind of like Morse code quality to the song. Um, almost like you're you're almost listening to whales talk to each other in, in a <laughs> yeah. submarine yeah. for whatever reason. And I love that about this track. Yeah. I, I just find it moving, very yeah. moving. So uh, that's that I had to include at least one wordless song on my list, and this is the one I picked. That's uh, that is a good one to pick. So keeping with my theme of artists that I really loved from the past decade, um, who aren't quite going to make the list, this one will shock you even more. Number nine on my tracks of of the decade is "Funny Friends" by Unknown Moral Orchestra. Okay, that that's not who I was thinking of, but okay. <laughs> will not have an album on my best albums of I mean that's the pretty decade. surprising that's yeah. pretty surprising which is funny they if I had to make a list of my favorite bands of the decade they they'd would be probably be my third favorite band of the whole decade wow but um, there were enough albums that I thought outpaced any of their best albums okay so but this again isn't even my favorite song of theirs but it is much like Ode Device Roy this was the song that broke them you know, that got them big. Oh, absolutely. And we wouldn't have any of the other stuff if it wasn't for this one particular song. This very fun bedroom rock, um, you know, just like a really poppy anthem, but still, and much like a device, Roy, it's, it seems like it's all like just a very fun, cutesy song, but it's actually pretty serious, you know, about how, you know, um, all he feels like he really needs is, is, this core group of his friends and the rest of the world can all just go to hell and 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 he ha- he doesn't even feel a connection with with most any other people except his crazy you know very short small group of friends you know and it's about uh, you know finding one's connection in the world and, and finding your place and finding your your people your your clan you know um, and I just I just love uh, uh, that it that it spawned this whole career for him yeah, uh, where he's gotten more production value and gotten to do more and more things that he wants to do and he's really just become uh, uh, he's really branched out and become more of an artist since this which I believe it was like 2011 when this came out um, yeah, and, I you forgot know, it was that old already. And 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 here we are today, where he's still making you know great, great every album I really really loved for different yeah, reasons. Yeah, we're we're on. Um, I've faded from them a little bit. You know, I, yeah. I I really like the first couple records a lot, but the yeah. last couple I'm just not as much into as you are. Understandable, but yeah, understandable. But Funny Friends is where it all started. Yeah, and it's just such a great you know pop rock tune. So. That's number nine for me. What's okay. number eight on your list? Number eight for me is. Um, a track that was very much written by an artist who knew that he probably wasn't going to live much longer, and that's um, the song Treaty by Leonard Cohen. I wish there was a treaty we could sign. I do not care who takes this bloody hill. I'm angry and I'm tired all the time. I wish there was a treaty. I wish there was a treaty. But 
between your love and mine. Uh, listen, I think we can all agree Leonard Cohen's a great songwriter, but even people who don't really like listening to him know that he's a great writer. And I was kind of like that for a while. I admired him, but I wasn't really super into his music. But then this album, You Want It Darker, came out. And, it was just um, like two years ago, right? Uh, I think 2016. Oh, was it? Maybe okay. 2017. Yeah. 2016. Um, and he died months after this. Yeah. Uh, and the song, Treaty, is, is very much him, you know, kind of speaking to what's ahead. And he's kind of speaking to uh, whoever's there at the end of the, at the, end of the line. He's... Kind of telling his story to he's speaking to God, he's speaking to past lovers, he's speaking to regrets and everything in this song. Um, It's like a culmination of a lifetime of songwriting in this one final moment. It's just, it's simultaneously like hard to listen to and just captivating at the same time. It's, and his voice has been so, at this point, had been so beaten down and it. It's just gravelly and just cigarette-ridden, and it's just uh, it's a powerful, powerful moment um, from music this decade. So, Treaty from Leonard Cohen is number eight for me. Number eight for me is all the way back to March of uh, of 2010. Whoa! So it's, it's almost 10 years old. And that is Blood Buzz Ohio Ooh. by The National. Okay. From their fifth album, High Violet. This is this is a this is a real gut punch of a song, uh, you know, really really raucous at times and, and 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 a lot of fun with that four on the floor kind of kind of drum beat. It, this 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 shows you, uh, like a lot of their songs shows you how great their drummer is. Yeah, I mean he's just unbelievable. It's an excellent song for the drums, but but then you know uh, Matt Berenger's like baritone starts to come in and he's. These like really somber, depressing lyrics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a su- lyrically, it's a super depressing song. This is why but it's it been is. one of my favorite bands of the decade. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and one of mine too, honestly. But this is far and away probably my favorite song by the National. Well, I think it's the most. Um, this is the one where I would, if I was forced to say, like, what is a defining song for this band? Like, it's a single ready song. It's yeah, if, you know, if, it's, it's if you had to take somebody who's never heard them before and play them, be the one play them play. one song, this is a song you'd play them. This would probably be it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just it, the lyrics are beautiful. They're they're sad, but they're beautiful. Um, and just the way he sings it with that very that that wistful wistfulness, but also that that. He's got a crooner's voice to him. He does kind of sing like yes. a crooner, and I think a lot of that's because he's not playing any instruments. That either. is his instrument. I he's, mean, it's it, why it he's is, there. Exactly. That is why he's and there. And he, he croons. He 
earns his part in the band time and time again. Yeah. You can't have the national without him. No, no, they they wouldn't be yeah. the national without He's, him. Yeah, it's and uh, this is this is one of the seminal songs of the decade. This is a, this is a band that I've said it many times to you before. Like this is a band that you can't take one person out of it. You have to have every element. You gotta have all of them. It's it's a perfect well put together band in every way. Yeah. And while some of their later records haven't really hit me as much as, you know, the pr- their previous work like this album for you example. You like Alligator a lot too, don't you? I like Alligator. Yeah. I love it. But, okay. Uh, this is uh, this album might be my favorite of their albums also. See, some of their later work hit me really yeah. really hard. Sleep yeah. Well Beast I think is a great record. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean, they're an important band for sure. Blood Buzz, man, just it's a great song. Oof. I like the pick. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a solid one. Um, we're at number seven now, I believe. All right, yeah. Yeah, what's number seven for you? Number seven for me is uh, kind of, a, it's a song from the same year as the one I just mentioned, 2016. Uh, same year as Treaty by Leonard Cohen. This one kind of is a has a lot of the same themes, and that's Skeleton Tree by uh, Nick Cave and the Bad yes. Seas. The, the title track from Skeleton Tree. Yes. Sunday morning Skeleton tree Pressed against the sky The jittery TV Glowing white like fire Um, it's the closing song in this record, and man... Within seconds of this song kind of sweeping in, it just murders me. Um, there's a somberness to this um, that, uh, and then some of the words from Nick Cave in this song are haunting. There's just uh, when he says nothing is for free, um, you know, he's speaking about a lot of things, but uh, he's speaking about mostly about the grief that is surrounding his life lately and um also embracing the fact that he's still able to live through it all and and also he's kind of speaking uh, of the reason to move on and to realize that you're still alive as a human being yourself and moving past that although it's not an easy thing to get to as he mentions in this song when he says i called out i called out right across the sea but the echo comes back empty and nothing is for free. I mean, it's, it's, uh, he's one of the great songwriters, I think, of the past quarter century at least. And he's proving it more lately, even more so, because he's been forced to dig somewhere he never thought he would have to dig. Exactly, you know? exactly. Uh, and he's like mining some new ground, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, it's good for it's good for us to hear such great art, but uh, sure, you know, it's, it's not been easy for him. But no, it has has been good for his art at least. It has, yeah, yeah. and we're rewarded <laughs> for being fans. Tra- tragedy always can not always, but tragedy all can very often yeah uh, uh, impact artists, great artists, in, yes, in, in that way. So yes, absolutely. Uh, number seven for me. Uh, I reserved the space on number seven for the beautiful falsetto tones of James Blake's Retrograde. Oh. Oh, wait. So show me why you're strong. Ignore everybody else. We're alone now. Suddenly 
This is this is one heck of a song, and again, I, James Blake was a little bit popular before this, but this yeah. was another one where like he took off after this song. This this I mean he was headlining festivals after this song. He was mm-hmm. they were using it in HBO's The Leftovers and and, and a bunch of other TV shows like, um, and just his his very experimental way of of making his own instruments. And like taking a, a, a keyboard and then taking the pedal for something else and and like uh, learning to, to how to engineer the electricity on them and and like building his own instruments and 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 recording and producing vocals in a very very different way. Um, he just he it was that post dubstep thing where like you know none of us enjoyed dubstep at all. So when when I heard that there was this new artist whose whose genre was post dubstep, I just assumed I wasn't gonna like it. Um, and he just came onto the scene with his gorgeous voice. I mean, beautiful voice. He's got a great voice. And uh, um, and he's a very talented piano player. But then just the way I think what what's most fascinating about him is his production style. Um, and he just he did this whole new thing that I, at least I had never heard before and took me took my breath away and this was the song that first did it for me was was retrograde it's just a beautiful beautiful track that just builds and builds and builds to this gorgeous crescendo by the end um, I, I love this song it's this is my seventh favorite one of the entire decade so. yeah I mean James Blake came along towards the beginning of the decade and we were our circle of friends were all very very we were pretty obsessed with that self-titled record when it came out, yeah. you know, early on in the decade. It was 2013 when this track came out. Well, this so. track, yeah. But yeah. I'm, in, I'm just mentioning when we first yeah, all... Yeah, when we all when figured we all, out who he was, period. Right, yeah. 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 The Wilhelm Scream is when... Yeah, that record. We were like, whoa, what yeah. is this all about? Yeah, and that was the record who right is before this? this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. I like that. I like so, that pick. number six. Number six for me is... Uh, an, uh, a song by an artist is very hard to choose just one from. Uh, but when I really looked at it, this band didn't release a lot during the decade. They took some time, some considerable time between records. And there's a song on the album A Moon-Shaped Pool oh. um, that just never fails to blow me away. Man, before you say which one, I, I, I was... I was thinking about putting either something by Radiohead or some one of Tom York's solo songs on here, like mm-hmm. Nose Grows Some or something. Yeah, uh, I am. I'm fascinated to find to figure out which song off of Moonshape Pool you chose. This has always been my favorite. It's just one of my favorite songs from them. Period. This goes up with All I Need from In Rainbows for me. Um, just tracks like that, and that's Daydreaming. of this record oh yeah uh there's just there's this quality to it the way they take their time to let this song breathe at the beginning tom york doesn't even the the vocals don't even come in for a solid minute you get this beautiful intro with the synth and and the orchestral stuff um 
But like we've said before, not that long ago, we, we say it a lot because Tom York does get brought up on the show a lot because he's involved in film now. But uh, his voice just continues to get better and better as the years go along. And in this song, I think his vocal qualities are uh, out of this world good. Um, also helps that there's a, the visual. Uh, the music video to this is directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, and it does yeah. a great music video. Yeah. But the song is just hypnotic. It's great. It's a great yeah. song. It's one of my favorites. It's a great album. It's one of my favorite tracks on that album. I, I, if I had to pick a song on that album, I'd probably go with Present Tense. Mm-hmm. It's a great but track. But Daydreaming is excellent so that's number six that's a great pick number six for me man it's hard for me to admit that this wasn't in the top five considering how much i love the song this is from 2015 and it is uh depressed by courtney barnett oh wow i love this song man then i see the handrail in the shower a collection of those canisters for coffee tea and flour and a photo of a young man in a van in vietnam I can't think of floorboards anymore Whether the front room faces south or north And I wonder what she bought it for Uh, I mean, she when this album came out, she also blew right the hell up. Yeah, she ended up posting song. Saturday Night Live that summer. I was obsessed know? with this album and this song in particular. Yeah, I yeah. still love this album, but this song in particular uh, is, I believe, it's the closer on the record. Is it I, not? Uh, I think it's the middle in the middle. Is of it the in record. the middle? I don't know, but it always felt like a closer. To it me. does feel like a closer because it's just it's and, and it's it's very different than anything else on the record because this record has a lot of like you know fun rock really songs, fun. really fun, this is, heavier riff songs. This isn't a ballad per se, but it it's is close. a but it is a much slower song. It's very contemplative, and uh, she's just doing a lot of beautiful stuff on this on this particular track. So it's number a very good number track. six for me is "Depressed" in by Courtney Barnett. I love it. Number five for me. Wow, this is the top five. Um, number five for me was something that was always going to be in the top five. Just depends on. I was just like, where is it going to be in the top five? Um, and that's uh, a song by Lucy Dacus, and that is off of uh, 2018's Historian, and it is Night Shift. You got a nine to five, so I'll take the night shift, and I'll never see you again if I can. Almost put this on the list. I really, I, you know how much I love this song. Yeah. But apparently you love it even more than I do. I love this song. I mean, you know, we were, I think that I introduced you to this song you one did. night. We were at a show, a Jens Lechman show in yeah. Bloomington waiting for the show to start. And I was like, I'm obsessed with this right now. It's going to be shitty quality on my phone because, and, just, and there's a 
hundred people talking. And you just put your phone up to my ear. We just yeah. listened to the whole song all the way through. <laughs> and I've been obsessed with it ever since. Yeah. Um, Historian is a great record, by oh, the way. Yeah. Um, I think she's forming into one of our best current um, artists. And this is her crowning song so far. I mean, this song... Whew. There's no doubt this is her best song. This is an epic song um, it's one of the greatest breakup songs I've ever heard in my life it's it is one hell of a song it's a cathartic song yeah. it's um it's both angry and delicate at the same time and it's just it is a perfect song it is one of the great opening tracks of the decade it also feels like depressed and maybe like a closing track it just feels like a closing track too yeah. for some reason but it's but an it's opener. not it's the opener yeah um I think this is a, a moment where she's emerging. This song is where she's making her statement. Is one of our best songwriters of the last three years, three or four years. And, uh, so this had to be high on my list, and it's number five. For yeah. Me. Well, uh, number five for me. Number five for me uh, is a very interesting song because the artist who who put out this song was 14 years old at the time that he that he released it. Uh, and uh, that song is The Noose of Joss City okay, by yeah. King Cruel. It eats away the brain As you straighten to try and maintain You felt the same And what was to blame It took my days Out of place And into grace And negotiate A loss of faith I thought he might make your list. Um, again, he's not making the list anywhere else, like on albums or anything. But man, I used to be obsessed with this song, and, song. With, and with good reason, because it's an excellent song. And let me say that again: he was 14 years old when this song came it's out. It's nuts, man. And with the wisdom of somebody much, much older in the lyrics, and uh, the voice—the voice of an older man, a much older yeah. man—that does not seem like it'd be coming out of this yeah. very skinny little red-headed British kid. Amazing. Um, but Archie Marshall. Has developed another yet yet again. This guy has developed a, a, quite a career for himself. Sure, and he's really uh, expanded his sound. The ooze was quite good. The ooze, the ooze is very good as far as his overall albums. I think that's his best one. Yeah, um, but but he's really he's 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 grown and evolved and matured yeah. as a, as a producer and a songwriter. Um, but I still, despite all of that, I still think that this is the best song he's ever written. I love it. I did. I made a uh, top 100 track of the decade, and Easy Easy made my list. Yeah, I like that song a lot. That is a very, very good song. Too. But this is a great song. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful, uh, very, very cool, cool song. I still will never be able to wrap my head around the fact that he was 14 years. That's old. nuts. Blows yeah. my mind. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, number four. All right, number four for me is um, Nights by Frank Ocean. This feel like a quaalude, no sleep in my body. Ain't no bitch in my body. New beginnings, new beginnings. Wake up high, the sun's going down. Time to start your day, bro. Can't keep being late. Oh, you need the money if you gon' survive Every night, shit, every day, shit Dropping baby off and I, I, I toyed with putting this as high as one, to be honest Sure I mean, it's a great, I mean, to call this song great would be 
It's an, that's, it's an understatement. It's an understatement to the word great. Yeah, I yeah. mean, Frank Ocean himself exists on a level higher than great, I think. Um, yeah. But uh, this song, man, it, it had to be the one I chose from him from the decade, even mm-hmm. though there's a list of man, 15 you could, you could have, call from. You could have picked so many other yeah. songs. Yeah, I know. That's I know. how prolific but the But Nights is. has this moment where it turns into another song, you know, in the middle. And yeah. it's just like captivating. It's yeah. uh it, it tells there's there's a lot of um, imagery in this song from the era of Hurricane Katrina and there's and lyrically the song is just taking you into a specific m- moment in his life and in the country's history yeah that he weaves in in this song and it's just this song is just it murders me man yeah it's it a beautiful murders song. me I think this song shows you just how high his talents go all wrapped up in one song yeah so uh, I, you could make the case that he's the most important artist of of the last 10 years i would not argue that at all i i, I th- i've i've been arguing that point for with with some people throughout the last couple of you months you know i have too yeah. yeah he's he he is the marvin gay of our generation I hope he continues to be. If, if Connor Oberst is the Bob Dylan of our generation, then then <laughs> Frank Ocean is Marvin Gaye. Sure. <laughs> uh, number four yeah. on my list is Devil in a New Dress by Kanye West. Okay. All right. Put your hands to the constellations. The way you look should be a sin. You my sensation. <laughs> I know I'm preaching to the congregation. We love Jesus, but you done learned a lot from Satan. <laughs> Um, man, it's this is my favorite rap song of the decade. I knew that. Yeah, um, it's what a great sample, what a great, what great instrumentation hmm. Kanye uses on this. His verse is fantastic, and all of that is before you get <laughs> to this fantastic guest verse by Rick Ross. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so when when he was doing the Good Fridays right before this record, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy came out. He was he was releasing a new song every week on his website, and I, I mean, it was like appointment viewing. Josh and I would show up at, at Josh's house and be like, "All right, what's the new Kanye song? Has it come out yet?" And we would listen to it in his living room. Um, and uh, uh, when this one came out, he just put out everything leading up to that weird guitar solo that happens in, in like two thirds of the way through the song, and so. Um, we never got to hear the Rick Ross verse because Kanye didn't release that. And then when the album came out and you heard the album version that had this amazing Rick Ross verse on it, it, it made you fall in love with the song even more. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think it's the best rap song that was released all decade long. Uh, this is, it's a, it's a very, very cool song by maybe the second most important artist of the last 20, 20 years. Yeah, I mean, he's... <laughs> He's made some of the most iconic uh, hip-hop music of our generation. Yeah, sure. I definitely couldn't couldn't make this list without sure. a Kanye West song, and this is my favorite one. So. All right, all right. So, all uh, right. top three now. Bronze. What are we giving medals out to? <laughs> bronze, man. Uh, what gets your bronze? Bronze for me is a song that was such an important moment um, in music of the decade, an important moment in the path of this artist because at this time this artist had only put one record out and it caught on people loved this record but then the opening track signified a new direction on this album 
And that is Perth from Bon Iver. Interesting that this is the song that you picked. Yeah, I mean, and not like Holocene or yeah, or I mean, uh, I could have picked. Or, I could have picked many from any other album he's made this decade. Yeah, but because this signified that shift. Yeah, there's. I mean, the way this this quietly comes in, the guitar first by itself, and then the drums with the guitar, and then this unbelievably pristinely produced production we had yet to hear from him really and those and those drums were really significant too because that that whole last record had had very little drums on it but definitely no drums that sounded like this with that well he was using the dual drummers that he still does now yeah yeah exactly and um and you were mentioning earlier that james blake kind of creates his own instruments in ways and experiments very much is a part of Justin Vernon's style too. Yeah. Um, later on, it would really take shape after these records. But um, this song's too important in his overall where he's gone since for Emma forever ago. Yeah, in the in the history of this this particular artist's decade, or even yeah. just the history of of you know popular music of the last. Decade. He could have just stayed in that same comfortable zone of for Emma forever ago and been a folk artist, and he would have been hugely successful, I'm sure. But he never would have been on Kanye West records and stuff like that. Had that. Happened. Yeah, I mean, he he caught this. The, the EP right before this caught the eye of Kanye with Woods yeah. um, and all that. And then he's been a staple in the creative circle of all these artists since. I mean, James Blake and him, they're very close. Yeah, exactly. They work that's, together all the time. That's why it's fun that, that, that they both got mentioned at the same time with yeah. this. You know? Yeah. I think, yeah, James Blake and Justin Vernon are two of the very most Im- experimental and important artists of the decade. Yeah. Um, and Perth, while I think he's made better songs, this was the start of where he was going to be one of the greatest artists yeah. of our time. Uh, talk about one of the greatest artists of this decade. My number three song is Apocalypse Dreams by Tame Impala. <laughs> Song. Yeah, I knew it was coming. Some, I knew one of their songs was coming. And again, I could have picked a lot of different songs yeah. from from his output this decade, but uh, this one is just the one for me. The way it kind of picks you up um, and takes you on this like strange sonic journey. And there's twists and turns all throughout it, and there's mood changes throughout it, and then it kind of sets slowly sets you down in the grass, very to, for this like soft landing. And and then just lets the rest of the song kind of wash over you. It's a sonic like journey that the song takes you on. Um, man, I, this is definitely the best rock song of the decade for me. I, I mean, 
this this thing is this is one of my absolute favorite albums of the decade and uh, it is one of my absolute favorite songs of the decade by quite possibly my favorite artist of the decade. So. Yeah, I know you hold these guys up to high regard, especially Kevin Parker himself. But yeah, I, 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 you know how I am with the, with his artist. I admire earlier work that you love a lot more than I do. I like him more in a pop atmosphere. Sure. Um, there's no doubt that he's supremely talented. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you just you prefer his pop writing. Yeah, I whereas do. I still I love the psychedelic. I stuff. think Currents is a phenomenal record. Yeah, um, same here. No argument. <laughs> I love all of his music. So, um, top two now. All right. I ain't nothing wrong with Silver, as as uh, Ricky Bobby would say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's this is Silver. We've made it. What's number two on your list? I think this is the best love song written in the in the decade. Um, it is, albeit, you could call it morbid. But it is a true, I don't think it is. Um, and that's Seaweed by Mount Erie. Our daughter is one and a half. You have been dead 11 days. I got on the boat and came to the place where the three of us were going to build our house. If you had lived. The record A Crow Looked at Me is one of the great works, I think, of any artist in a long time, maybe ever for me. Um, I've been listening to this artist for longer than anyone on this list. Um, the guy's still only 39, yet he's been writing and recording music for over 20 years. As the microphones first, I was obsessed with the microphones growing up. I mean, I was listening to the microphones when I was 16 years old. So, I mean, Phil Elvram's uh, songwriting has been so innovative and so experimental at first. And then when he recently dis was faced with tragedy of his wife dying of cancer while they had a one-and-a-half-year-old daughter, um, he decided to face it head-on and in just like he literally just started writing as it happened and this came out of it a crow looked at me and the album now only came out of it but this one in particular and this song in particular seaweed is uh, a beautiful tribute to his his wife who's no longer with us but um i uh since this is uh, so high on my list, I have to, and it's so lyrically driven, I have to quote one little bit from this song. Quote, so where would, what did I, oh, I'll just start with that. In this song, he writes, um, he's, he's painting a picture of where he lives in the Pacific Northwest. He's lived in Anacortes, Washington his whole life, and so there's a very serene landscapes and he says I brought a chair from home I'm leaving it on the hill facing west and north and I poured out your ashes on it I guess so you can watch the sunset but the truth is I don't think of that dust as you you are the sunset and that's the final line of the song and it's just crushing man it's it's a beautiful song he finds something out of all this crushing grief faces it head on unlike anything I've heard before yeah. um, and uh, 
I guess it's a little bit of a theme of what I love throughout the decade is artists facing horrible circumstances, but creating art from it. And, yeah, uh, t- taking and making something beautiful. Yeah, and it's this is completely genuine and not sugarcoated and not, you know, dramat- dramatized in any way. This is just literally dealing with something like head on. And yeah. That that record in the in this track in particular just crushed me. Yeah. So that's two. Uh, number two for me is our first artist of crossover. Whoa. And number two for me is Nikes by Frank Ocean. almost was number one i wouldn't i don't blame you for that this what almost was number one track uh, there's something it takes a lot in my book to pass up anything by tame impala yeah so it shows you how much i love nikes by frank ocean uh so gorgeous the way um y- you would never think that that vocoder could be this beautiful but with someone who's got a a, a historically gorgeous voice the way that frank does um, he can even make this this auto-tuned vocoder sound really, really beautiful. Nice. And part of that is because as the song, as the first half of the song progresses, it, he slowly brings in harmonies with with uh, non uh, auto-tuned vocals underneath that are that are harmonizing with that that vocoder. Um, but man, it is. It is a beautiful first half of the song. And then the second half of the song where all the vocoder goes out and it's just him, uh, then it, it go, he takes off and goes to a whole nother level. Well, that's introducing a record that is going to go down as one of the seminal records of this decade. Yes. 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 It, it, is, it is one that people will, re- will remember as one of the, the most important albums of the last 10 years. Long long after we're gone and the century ends, it will be on century It'll be lists. on best of the century lists. It yes, it will be. Mm-hmm. It really, really will be. Yeah. Mo- most, uh, most retrospective lists that I've looked at, most of them have it as the number one album of the decade. It makes me think of like Okay, some people, like the people that got to live through what's going on, you know, or something. Exactly. Now Not we're to... living th- th- this with this record. Yeah. And my God, we need to really kind of uh, be grateful for this record. Exactly. And this track. And, and it's funny that you compared it to that because, again, he really is like m- the That's Marvin Gaye. The first thing that came up. Yeah, he's yeah. the Marvin Gaye of our, of our generation. I just, I hope his dad doesn't kill him. Oh, God, no. You know, you they know don't know have I mean? a good relationship. That's... Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm not trying to speak restraining that Restraining order. Yeah. Restraining order. Frank, get a restraining order. Please. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that brings us to number one. What are what are our number one songs of the last ten years? The What's song. the one song that has stuck with you the most throughout the last ten years? The songs from two thousand and seventeen. Um, I think this song uh, best sums up 
uh, I guess one kind of it takes me away from everything else while I listen to it and it and I want to keep going back to it if there's ever some bullshit going on in the world like there's a lot of bullshit going on in the world and you just want to get away from it some some audio escapism this song is so beautiful um, this song actually makes me believe there's hope in anything and everything and it's actually the second song on this list that is wordless oh and that's Truth by Kamasi Washington. Oh, what a good pick. Uh. This song, man. Again, it's also this long. song murders me. Yeah. It's 13 minutes long, but yeah. man... This song is like it could be lifted from a from a classic era of jazz. It's uh this is one of our great artists that has clearly grown up learning from every important jazz musician and made it his own kind of thing, ushering it in to our generation. Um, this guy's this guy's one of our best. I think he's as far as just flat out beautiful musicians go and, and someone who can just compose something i mean he and just a beautiful person too oh, he's, he's, he's just a lovely guy he's know? great yeah i love i love that little group they have uh, all those guys thundercat and all those guys yeah and, uh, and flylo um work and they all work together so often and it's it's such a great community of guys um working together but this song i don't know there's something about it um this song feels like a wordless, quiet defiance against. Uh, it seems it's even though it's not. There's no lyrics. It seems like there's something about it that is. It's really of uplifting. this time and and trying. You know, it, it's defiant against some of the things that are that have been focused on in art a lot over the last few years. Yeah, it's, it feels it's 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 got this sense of hopefulness that mm-hmm. things are are going to be better. It's it's. You know what I mean? It's it's comforting. Yeah, we need to keep moving forward and keep creating, and we'll get through all of this. Yeah, kind of thing. It's hopeful. Yeah, it is. It is. That's a great pick. So I, that, this is the one that I kept going back to. Is I don't think I love anything more from the decade than this song. That's kind of where I ended up with my number one as well, and it's a song that came out back in 2011. Oh, and I've spent almost 10 years in love with this song and when i was making my list i had forgotten about it for a minute and i looked i finally looked at it and i thought well shit this is this got to go higher than apocalypse dreams this got to go higher than nike's this is whoa this is county line by cass mccombs whoa county line
That's it's my favorite song of the decade. I do love this song too. You know, we both love this. song. Yeah, we bonded over this song. At one yeah, point. we did. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's one of those songs that, um, kind of like Truth, where like, uh, it's it's been warm and comforting to me throughout so many years, and like breakups in 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 positive moments and in negative moments, it's gotten me. It's made me happy when I needed when I was feeling sad and I needed that. It's made me kind of feel a little bit sad even at times when I needed that when I just needed to 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 wallow in it for a minute. It's it's just a beautiful beautiful song, and his voice has never been better than oh. than, than what he does it's on this best song. on this chorus. It is. Easily, Cass McCombs' best. And he's song. made a lot of good songs. He's made a lot of great songs. Talk about a guy who can open a record too. Oh boy! But uh, this is just—it's just like you said. It's one of those songs that I just keep coming back to over and over for the last almost nine years. Now. I can remember a couple of different times where we've just sat there together and sung the song together, like just yeah, just sung all along the way through, all sung the way along through. every line to it, yeah. and where you can hardly hear him. You, we're, it's just our voices singing yeah. along to it. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those great beautiful like you know love songs it's well it's i mean it's a, it's kind of a sad song it's about how she never really even tried to love him you know mm-hmm. um and how he just wants to be able to get over it and forget about her and and drive through this town and not even have to think about her anymore when he does it although it's very difficult for him to do that mm-hmm. you know because every time he passes passes through this town he can't help but think about all the memories of her you know? yeah there's a clear picture painted you can visualize the song yeah. you know as he's singing it yeah. you know and you can paint the picture in your head if yeah. you close your eyes while listening to this song and it's a, it's a great song yeah. i love this it's great great number ones oh yeah Th- this was a great list very fun lot lots of of uh, of of variety on the list mm-hmm. got some some rap songs some 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 ballads some rock tunes are you, you know? surprised that i didn't have a destroyer song on this list i was really <laughs> surprised that uh that uh, uh savage night of the opera was not on this list yeah yeah you know and i love I love Dan Behar, but it's just hard to pick. A song. That's why I'm thinking th- there are some artists that that didn't make my list that I think that I think you're probably very surprised. Where are they? And mm-hmm. as much like I'm surprised Detro- Destroyer's not on here for you, yeah. that I think here in the second half of this episode, w- they're definitely going to show Most up. Most likely, yes. They're going to show up in some prominent places. A good chance. Yeah. Yes. So just because there was no Destroyer songs on here doesn't mean yeah. that I shouldn't be surprised. Yeah, there's a. Yeah. I mean, and you know, that speaks to his songwriting as album form. Like, he's, he's very much into a concept a full concept of an album and so that's exactly why one of my absolute all-time favorite artists was not on this list mm-hmm. is because i could not pick a favorite song of theirs and that will be reflected here in the second half of this episode when, right. we, when we dig into the best albums of the decade so we're going to take a break but when we stick around you already know what's coming all right we'll see you in 60 seconds We're back, ready for round two. 
Welcome back to the show. The time has come for us to uh, finally break down the 10 best albums of the decade. I am sufficiently thrilled. Yeah. Um, so let's dig right in. What is number 10 on your list of the best albums of the decade? Uh, so much like uh, a mention I had on the tracks of the decade, this is one that's going to be kind of a little bit of a crossover. So uh, I don't remember exactly where I had Leonard Cohen's song Treaty on the tracks of the decade, but this album, You Want It Darker, made my list at number 10. There's nobody missing. There is no reward. Little by little, we're cutting the cord. We're spending the treasure on that love cannot afford. I know you can feel it. The sweetness restored. I don't know how I could have left it off. Um, It's already a theme for me that I'm more drawn to at least lyrically, to artists who have something uh, definite facing them in reality yeah. as far as, uh, you know, whether it be Nick Cave, you know, staring the death of his son and death and mortality, staring that in the face, or whether it be this where Leonard Cohen is writing about, you know, his final moments in life, basically. This is like his documentation, uh, final words on tape. And uh, the album You Want It Darker is a great end finale to a career that, uh, you know, a lot of people would say, you know, a lot of very professional writers have said, you know, is one of the great songwriters of our time and mm-hmm. of all time. And uh, <clears throat> I'm not a huge like uh, I don't dive deep into his catalog, but this album in particular for the last few years has really gotten to me, and um, I still listen to it a lot. And so I could not leave this off. You want it darker by Leonard Cohen, number ten for me. All right, that is a really great record. Um, number ten for me is um, you know you did this on the song list. You had some instrumental stuff that you yeah. wanted to, to give to give mm-hmm. credit to. So I need to do the same with number 10. This was so hard leaving certain things off the list. But I somehow I, I, I what I settled with was what has what have I spent the most time with over the last decade? Mm. And one of those definitely for me has to be from 2011, An Empty Bliss Beyond This World by The Caretaker. thought the caretaker might have a chance for you just barely just barely so the caretaker is this ambient music project um by british musician Leyland kirby and so what he did on this on this lp is he takes samples of like pre-world war ii like vinyl ballroom jazz records 
um, and and then modifies them, mm-hmm. edits them in strange ways, and he says that the that the the it's based. The, the record is based on a study that he's done regarding people with Alzheimer's disease and them being able to remember music that they listened to when they were younger and then also as well as as where they were and like how they felt when they were listening to it so um, it, man it's a very strange record it's a very creepy sounding record at times because of that warped sound that he that he filters everything through mm-hmm. it almost sounds like it should be back out background music to like a salad fingers video but um it's just it's it's been this really interesting like ambient drony record that is that is that i've just put on in certain situations for the last 10 years um, I, I love this record. I'm glad to hear this because, you know, I think there is a lot of stock into that. I think you and I both, we have spent a lot of time with these kind of records, especially in the last decade. Whether it be just some some kind of music to help us focus, zone out. Yeah. Or, you know, just to listen to and appreciate in general. But um, I think there's a lot of stock into that kind of music that should... I'm glad you added that one to your list yeah me too yeah. i mean i could have gone a bunch of different ways it was sure. very hard for me yeah. to leave connor oberst off this list but i mean i left some people off this list that i did not want to yeah but, i hear you yeah so but we're not here to talk about them what's yeah. number nine on your list all right <laughs> number nine for me is well oddly enough i had just mentioned this artist and uh in a lot of ways this album is very much like you want it darker from nick or from uh Leonard Cohen. This is Ghostine from yeah. Nick, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Uh, I was halfway to the Pacific coast. I'd left you in your longing, in your yearning like a ghost. There's little room for wonder now, and little room for wildness too. Ghostine was my favorite record of 2019 which we just talked about um in the uh one of the more recent music episodes but uh yeah this this one had to make my list for all the same reasons i already discussed uh this is a very epic direction uh in a lot of ways this is new territory for nick cave and the bad seeds who have been around for you know 35 years at this point um yeah, it's uh, it is. This is a vast territory. It also gets to uh, kind of. Uh, there are some moments on this record that get even to ambient territory, which is new, newish for them. Yeah, um, there's like long segments of, mm-hmm. of many songs on it that yes seem very ambient. Yeah, this record is almost a double album too. It's uh, the longest album they've ever made, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's. It's a movie, or it's a movie. It's a album. We talk about movies a lot. Hey, on it this, feels cinematic. This podcast. Yeah, yeah it does feel cinematic. But um, yeah. it is an album that is about a lot of things. But um, I think in the end, what it's more about is Nick Cave finding who he is currently now. And he's a totally different person now. And um, he gets that across very well. And uh, this is one of the best records he's ever made. So, uh, yeah, Ghostine for me at number nine. Number nine for me is um, when I'm looking over at my musical experiences of the last decade, I absolutely can't 
leave this off the list. As much as I wanted to maybe do solo albums by one or both of these artists. Uh, yes. Uh, number nine for me is Sit Down Man by Das Racist. Mm-hmm. Who's that? Who's that? Who's that? From 2010. So this is 10 years old. 10 years old, Das Racist. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, those two mixtapes they put out in the same year. What year did we see that show? I think that was probably like 2011 or 2012. Yeah, it was pretty early on. It was on. a long time ago. Yeah. I've seen, I saw them twice. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those of you who aren't aware, Das Racist um, was a uh, now defunct uh, rap group um, with. Um, Essentially, there's two rappers and a hype man. Um, uh, so one of the rappers is Heems. He's Indian American, and then Cool AD, who ev- everyone who knows me knows that he's yeah. one of my biggest influences, list, yeah. music or otherwise, <laughs> um, in, regardless of genre of music. And he is a Cuban American. And then the hype man is uh, Dapwell, who is the the younger brother of stand-up comedian Hari Kondabolu, um, who's also Indian American. And um, they're kind of a self-professed joke rap slash weed rap group, but they take this very jokey uh, uh, sensibility and very lackadaisical way of, of, of songwriting and mix it with super intelligent uh, 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 lines. Um, and subject matter uh, they can be joking about the dumbest shit at one point and then the very next line will be about Basquiat or you know uh, uh, French New Wave cinema you know what I mean like they're hyper intelligent but also they, they also make sure that you get the point that they also don't give a shit at the same time and Sit Down Man was one of their one of the two mixtapes that they put out in 2010 that skyrocketed them to fame shut up dude Shut up, shut up, dude was the other one, yeah. Um, and it, uh, this just, it, it, not only d- is are they fantastic on this particular mixtape, Sit Down Man being the one that I like slightly more than the Same. other. Same, me too. Um, but there are guests on this, and the guests include Casa Overall and Chairlift and um, uh, 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 Mike Finito and <laughs> Diplo, Scoop DeVille. Um, they use samples from um, Shabazz Palaces and Quincy Jones, um, Jay-Z, uh, Fat Tony shows up on the record, Despot shows up on the record, Rock Marciano shows up on it. So th- lots of fun guest features as well. Um, Pitchfork gave this an 8.7 that year. Made tons of lists that year. Rolling Stone gave it four stars. Spin gave it an 8 out of 10. So this was this was what really blew them up. Uh, if if combination Pizza Hut and Taco Bell was how people first found out about them, this is what actually got them critical acclaim. <laughs> because combination Pizza Hut and Taco Bell was was just a funny thing that kind of went viral, that you know made people aware of who they were, but not in like a act, these guys are actually good kind of thing. This was the album that made people be like, oh wait, these guys are actually good. Yeah, and they're not just jokey weed rappers. So. There was a lot of fun highlights. I can't talk about the decade in music without talking about dust races. You cannot. I would. I, I would have been outraged if you didn't. I personally cannot. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, I'm done. 
uh, we're, we're both going to have those kind of things. Yeah, I'm done with my diatribe on Das yeah. Racist. Yeah. Uh, what's number eight on your list? Number eight for me is um, an album by an artist that was basically, I mean, around all decade for me, very important up there, pretty high for me. Um, and uh, uh, this is headed by an, an artist who I still really admire. I think he's doing some of the best work quietly out there. Um, oddly enough, he didn't really see any commercial success until the movie Drive came out. And Drive's soundtrack is, um, well, I mean, it, it's arguably more popular than the film itself. I mean, that yeah. that movie's soundtrack catapulted a certain style of music, kind of. Yeah. And more movies and more artists tried to start doing this kind of neon-tinged revival of a certain type of 80s pop. Yeah. Um, but it was more new wavy. Um, and that's uh, this record is from Chromatics, and it's called Kill for Love. I can't remember if I like what I say. I can't remember it went straight to my head. I kept a bottle by the foot of the bed. I put a pillow right on top of my head, but I killed for love. Yeah, I wasn't sure if the Drive soundtrack was was your no, number number the Drive eight soundtrack album. in general or, or album or if it was the Chromatics. No, 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 no. Okay. So Johnny Jewel is the head of Chromatics. Yeah. He's also yeah. the head of uh, Italians Do It Better, the record label, which is houses most of the artists on the Drive soundtrack. So, um, and that's blown up since then. Uh, and then when you really start to dig into Johnny Jewel's output specifically with chromatics you well actually johnny jewel's stuff solo he's been scoring a lot of things making yeah. a lot of you know he he scored um the twin peaks the latest the latest twin peaks revival um which was pretty excellent as far as the score um but uh this record kill for love was just front to back it's just bold i i don't know what to say it's a great pop record from my opinion it's uh there's some short, like, single-ready, great, catchy songs, but there's also really long, droney tracks. Um, everything kind of coalesces together well, though. Um, oddly enough, the record starts with a a Neil Young cover in their <laughs> own in their own way, though. Uh, um, they cover "Hey Hey My My," but their version is called "Into the Black," and. Um, yeah, it, I, for whatever reason, this this record came out in 2012, and I still I still listen to it on a regular basis. So it stuck around enough for me. I had to I had to include it somewhere on this list, and it lands number eight for me. Number eight for me. It, it seems like, for the most part, for the most part, you and all for me have been dominated by the beginning of the decade, and this is no different. Um, number eight for me is num- is from 2011, and that is Father, Son, Holy Ghost by Girls. Okay. Um, 
San Francisco rock band that is now defunct. Lots of, of groups that broke up, you know, in, in, in the time since so far. But, um, man, uh, this is just such a good record, man. There are so many really great songs. And Christopher Owens' songwriting is, is this is the best display of his songwriting. He's a force to be reckoned with. I can't. I'm still so upset that they that they don't exist anymore. I know you are. <laughs> and I know that he does solo stuff nowadays, and his solo stuff is good, but it's not as good as as all of these guys together, you know. Um, uh, Girls is kind of a whatever band name, and you can't <laughs> you can't hear it without thinking about the Lena Dunham show. Uh, but I, I'll take the band Girls over the show Girls. Any day of the week, or just the show "Girls" soundtracked by girl songs. How about that? Yeah, yeah, because they did use uh, songs by girls, right? Didn't I mean I'm sure they had to? Doesn't right? it, it feels like Was a band that, that they would use <laughs> yeah. on the show? I've never watched the show, but yeah. I'm I'm just assuming that they that they did. But girls is like, it's hard to they. What's so cool about them, especially on this record too, is that they. They, they move around between so many different styles of music. And this record, especially, they do surf rock, they do some folk rock, they do some soul, they do some even progressive rock, like like psychedelic prog rock at, at times. Um, he's all over the place on this with songs like Honey Bunny and Vomit. And, um, there, this is just a, it's, it's a fantastic record. If I had to pick, if I had to pick my one favorite song on the record, I'd probably go with Alex. Because that's that's the most single worthy, but um, I, I love this record front to back. There's not a bad song on it. All right, so I, I almost went with Broken Dreams Club by Girls, but this is this is a slightly better album. So okay, number eight for me, Father Son Holy Ghost. Top three marked off. All right, yeah, so the first three of first are three. out of the way. Not top three, first three, uh, yes. So all right, what's number seven? Number seven for me is uh, a completely instrumental record okay um, like i said in the tracks uh rundown uh, i a lot of the last half of this most current decade was dominated by at least for me in my intake was dominated by ambient droney instrumental records without words and uh this one this one kind of plays into my what came about in the last two or three years of the decade for me, which is my interest in uh, black metal, I guess. Not metal, but black metal. Um, metal that is maybe... I'm more interested in... I'm really not interested in metal as a genre, but the kind of so-called metal music that can be constructed with nature within nature and uh, actually recording in nature recording in forests um things like that i found some records that i can get into this one wasn't made in that way but it is a metal record and it is uh from the band xi ex eye and it's a self-titled record
from 2016, 17 maybe. And um, it's headed by Colin Stetson. Oh. Um, so this is a metal record that's heavily saxophone influenced. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Uh, man, it's good. There's, there's some just incredible orchestration on this record. Um, it's very heavy. Um, the drums on this record are so prominent and so impressive. Um, but, man, when you combine... I already love Colin Stetson. Yeah. I'm a huge fan. Everything he does, uh, whether it be complimenting others' records, because he's worked on a lot of records, especially this this last decade. Yeah. He's on some of the more prominent albums you know, that have been released. Uh, just because, I mean, he's arguably the most sought-after saxophonist there is, really. I mean, he's he's highly impressive. And what he does with it here is make the saxophone into a kind of... It becomes a pretty prominent vessel for metal music, and it's a bizarre thing, and no one's really doing this kind of thing. And uh, what he does with this record as XI is... Uh, it's... Or it, it, it's really something you have to you have yeah. to listen to. See, I can't get into metal, but if I were, Colin Stetson could get me into it. Well, you know? if you were uh, a fan of you know the song that was playing leading into this, <laughs> then check out then the rest maybe of it. then maybe check it out. All yes. right, you yes. got it. You got it. Uh, number seven for me is okay. <clears throat> this is an artist that I don't like. This is an artist that a lot of people love. And they love him for his most recent albums. I don't like his most recent albums. I know albums. where you're going here. I only like this one. I don't like any of them. I know you don't like any <laughs> of them. And number seven for me is Fear Fun by Father John Misty. hate his newer albums i find something to like in most all of them all of them um i just don't like them as a whole and i definitely don't like how he gets more and more pretentious with every album Mm -hmm. this record for some reason doesn't have much of that pretense that he's really cultivated more and more with every album and kind of uh, doubling uh, down enhanced his (laughs) into his persona yeah um and I think that's a big reason why I like this record so much. Um, I just find the songwriting itself, it, this record is more about the songwriting and how good the actual construction of the songs are, as opposed to the most recent albums where it's all about how clever he thinks he is lyrically. Well, a lot of people tell him that too and praise him for it. So Exactly. It must be. And, and it, it's gotten to the point where that's what the songs themselves are about. Or is how clever he is. Mm-hmm. Um, this record doesn't have any of that, and or, or very little of it, let's say. Um, and that's why I I love this album. Um, it's just it's got really great songwriting all throughout it, all throughout it. While still the the lyrics are really really in, intelligent and interesting, whether he's telling stories in the songs or not. Um, 
and it's just it has that really great songwriting aspect that's sorely missing from the other records um uh, 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 there's so many songs on this record that that i that i would absolutely praise like nancy from now on and fun times in babylon and um uh every every man needs a companion Uh, i know a lot of people love hollywood cemetery uh sings hollywood forever cemetery sings um that's not even nearly in my top half of the best songs on this record but i will say i like if not love every song on this album so for a, for an artist that I now cannot fucking stand. Oh really? Uh, oh, I can't stand him. Um, well, I know I can, you've always loved this album. I can still still to this day listen to any song on this album at any time it comes up. All right. So Fear Fun is number seven for me. Okay. Uh, number six. Number six. Uh, oddly enough, this is the second in a row that is an instrumental record um, for me. Um, there was no way I was not going to have this on my list. It was just a question on where. Um, <clears throat> this record was released in 2018. It's pretty new. Um, but it's been on regular rotation for me uh, pretty much since the day it came out. And that's uh, Heaven and Earth from Kamasi, Washington. <laughs> big artist for me I gotta, you know, yeah i figured um, this was going to show up somewhere yeah um you know the epic is a great record as well um i think most people would h- highly regard that one even more um i think the one knock this this album heaven and earth has from people is that it's just more of the same but um we are this much of a talent um i i would argue that this one has a concept too um that's different from from the epic um so you know, and you, Kamasi even came out and said that the heaven part of the the heaven side of the album represents the world as he sees it inwardly. Um, you know, and uh, and then and then the other side is outwardly. So uh, it's um, there's I, I think there's also a bigger lineup of artists he brings on for this. It's a very collaborative, like even more so than the epic. It's huge, huge amount of people on this record, and you hear it in every single moment of this whole thing. It's a venture. It's not something you want to just click, you know, in the middle of here and there, I don't think. I think the best way to experience a, this record is to take it all in when you have the time to do it. Um, when you do, though, it's very rewarding. Um, so many great, fun tracks on this record, but also very moving and topical songs. Oh, too. yeah. Uh, Fists of Fury is a very political, politically <clears throat> driven track. That's such a fun track, too, though. Great song. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a cover. It's the only cover on it, on it isn't it? Uh, I think it is, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, there is. Well, the special edition of it came with an extra EP called The Choice that also had some covers on it. Okay. Um, but a lot of really fun covers, like uh, Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow. They oh. do a cover of that. It's just great. That's fun. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's some of the originals on here that are just mind-blowing, like Street Fighter Moss, some um, tracks yes. like that. Um, it's just, I just think he's... 
one of our best artists working right now. Yeah, and, uh, he's special. He very much is. He's really special. He very much is. And when you have some of the people in his band like he does, man, this is this is a special, special group. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a great record. It's a great jazz record. Number six on my list, yet again, everything so far has been from 2012 or before. And this is also from 2012. This is a band I found out about from you, actually. Hmm. And then I ended up loving this album way more than you did. Um, number six on my list is A Different Ship by Here We Go Magic. How do I know? Here We Go Magic is a terrible band name. Oh, absolutely. But they are a fantastic band. And um, this album uh, shows that in spades. This, every single song on this record is terrific. Um, I, I love this band. It's just, it's, it's catchy. Um, I wouldn't call it pop. It's still indie rock. But it's very catchy and at times almost garage garage rock but it's so polished that it never feels like garage rock and a lot of that's because nigel godrich produced it he's he's produced radiohead and pavement and bands like that um so here here we go magic had two albums before this pigeons and then they're they're self-titled and those had some really like standout moments on them but this was this was the record where they put it all together and had a really cohesive album. Um, it was put out uh, in 2012 by Secretly Canadian, mm -hmm. um, and this is this is one of the best rock records of the entire decade for me. It's just it's flawless. There's not there's not a misstep on this album. Yeah, you uh, you know it's funny that you told me that you heard of them from me and like because i was listening to them at that time but i haven't really even listened to them much since well they've only put out one other album since this yeah i mean just can't, i mean even from earlier stuff i really haven't i can't tell you the last time i listened to this band that's amazing i forgot yeah. i'm all about them oh i still listen to this record regularly it's uh, I'm I'm surprised it's not in my top five, and that's only because there are five well, unbelievable there's albums. There's a lot, so that is a different ship. By here we go, magic is number six for me. Here we go. Uh, here we go. We're in the top half. What is number five on it's your safe list? Safe to say that these are all perfect records. From oh, definitely. Here on out. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So, um, uh, number five for me is a record that's been out almost the whole decade. 2011 is when it came out in January of 2011. So very early on, uh, it's been out for n almost exactly nine years to this point. So um, this is one I think this is the record that this artist this artist had already been working for a long time. But I think this is the moment they turned. They had a turning point, and I still think this is their best record. But they've been making awesome ones ever since, and it's Kaput by Destroyer. A savage night at the opera, another savage night at the club. Let's face it, old souls like us have been born to die. It's not a war till someone loses an eye.
Yes. A little surprised it's not a little higher, honestly. I, I uh, am surprised it's, it's not uh, a little bit higher. A little bit higher. I mean, what a great record, man. Yeah, man. Dan Behar is a, a unique beast all his own. Yeah, talk but, about uh, special. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the guy's a part of a lot of different groups as well. The new pornographers, uh, Swan Lake, uh, he he's he's in a lot of different groups. But um, yeah, this is uh, his baby, and this this came right after Rubies, which was a really tremendous record in its oh, own yeah. right. But I think Kaput front to back. This is this his... is where he started really putting together great records. Yeah, it's his masterpiece. Yeah, and, and you know what? I don't think Poison Season. Or Ken are that far behind. No, they're not. Uh, Trouble and Dreams is good. Not as good as these others, but man. Uh, <laughs> Do you have a favorite song on, on Kaput? It's hard, man. I, I go back and forth. Obviously, Savage Night at the Opera is a, is a classic, but I love Suicide Demo for Kara Walker. I love Bay of Pigs. Um, I love... Uh, Blue Eyes. Blue Eyes. That's my favorite. I, I know it's our buddy Josh's favorite track too, yeah. but uh, I mean, th- but there's also the title track, and there's Chinatown, and there's, oh. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, Downtown is a great track. Yeah. Song this, for America. This would have made my top twenty. This is a perfect record, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, I'm very, very excited for the next record. There's three tracks that he's released so far, and they're all mind-blowingly good. He still has it now to this day even as an artist who's I mean, he's been releasing records from destroyer since like 95 maybe? yeah and he's still working at a high level but kaput is the the benchmark for him oh yeah yeah so it had to be in my top five so it's at number five number five for me is um i think th- this is again from 2011 uh, almost everything on this list is stuff that i've had a, almost the entire decade to spend time with um and that's a theme. Um, this is, uh, I believe, the last great album that this artist put out. She has put out uh, other things since then that had glimmers of this past stuff, but this was the last great record that St. Vincent put out, and that is <laughs> Strange Mercy. Turn off the TV I was aware of her before this, obviously, with, with oh, Actor. Yeah. And, you loved and, Actor, right? Yeah, Actor's great. Um, uh, she, she's done, she, she had two albums before this that were very, very good. Um, but this was when the rest of the world got a real good glimpse of, of what she was capable of, not just um, by being a, a beautiful person mm-hmm. um, with a beautiful voice, but her work as a guitarist. Um, this is some of the best guitar work of, of the decade, if you ask me. I think it's her best record. Oh, yeah. This is her best record, I think, too. Um, it's because it's just... It, she was doing some really cool instrumentation, mixing some some orchestral stuff with folk music and, and, and doing some really interesting arrangements. But then this is a rock and roll record. And she, she just... She 
took another step in in her sound. Yeah, she, I think she song. had her own. She came into her own here. And she started really like experimenting with the guitar stuff. She started really experimenting electronically, and that ended up being her downfall with the with subsequent records. Uh, she's commercially more successful now, though. That's fine, but yeah. she stopped playing guitar nearly as much and stopped like pressing boundaries with her music, and she started to do more like yeah. blase pop stuff. I mean, there's no we. She doesn't have that weirdness like the song Surgeon has yes, in this record. Exactly. You know, you know that song yeah. combines the weirdness she was experimenting with, with with her, like you said, the guitar. The crazy guitar stuff yeah. that, that no, nobody else was doing at the time. True. Um, and then just her, this like, this, this milk chocolate sounding vocals that's just syrupy and gorgeous it's mm -hmm. just her voice was was unrivaled and then you mix that with some of the stuff she was doing on guitar that that nobody else was trying and then and then singing and playing some of these very intricate guitar parts at the same time this record is just perfect the whole way through like you said surgeon is incredible year of the tiger is amazing it's a great um, closing track. cruel is fantastic and then and then also there were some music videos that she put out at the same time um that corresponded to these songs mm -hmm. that were pretty cutting edge also um man she i was so excited where her career would head after this and it's all kind of been a slow slow descent into disappointment i gotta say um I, for that reason, I, you know what? I probably would have had Strange Mercy as a candidate somewhere in my top 20-ish, but I haven't listened to her in so long because I just kept kind of fallen off. She fell out of I favor. Just, I just, I'm just not interested in what she's been doing anymore. I know, man. Annie, come back to us. Right. It's, come back yeah, to us. We'll see. But either way, number, number five on my list is Strange Mercy by St. Vincent. All right. Well, number four for me is an album that has been out since February 23rd, 2010. So the very beginning of the decade. Mm -hmm. It is an album that immediately followed two records from this artist. Who I thought, I mean, she was a pretty diverse artist at the time because of her voice, mostly. Um, either love it or hate it, I think. You can either tolerate it or you just can't at all. Um, and but I happen to love this artist. She works uh, at her own deliberate pace, but I think she's one of the best American artists we have. This record is called "Have One on Me" by Joanna Newsom. fan of this artist uh, I don't think there's anyone quite like her uh, she's basically <laughs> uh, you know she plays the harp first and foremost yeah uh, she uh, not a lot of uh, band leaders or heart solo artists can claim to have that going for themselves as studio artists in America at that least is, that is a primary harpist right yes but that's what her songs are centered around however Have One On Me saw her branching out a little more her first two records Milk Eyed Mender and Wise were both mostly just her and her harp um, although Wise started branching the arrangements out 
in much more different directions. This record infused a lot of different kind of avenues, including you could borderline call this a jazz, experimental jazz record. Um, it is a <laughs> almost a triple album. Uh, when this came out, it was released in this big packaging, especially the vinyl release of this. Um, it was many different LPs worth of material. Um, this album was mind-blowing at the time, and frankly, it kind of still is. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not sure if she gets enough due um, for just how unique of an artist she is. Um, she's only released one record since, Divers. Um, oddly enough, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson has really worked with her a bunch since then, too. Um, yeah. He kind of picks and chooses some of the artists he wants to work with. Right now, it's Haim a lot. Yeah. And Radiohead, of course. Of course. And Johnny Always. Greenwood and Tom York and Radiohead in general. But he also directed a couple of music videos from Divers, uh, Joanna Newsom's last record. Um, but anyway, this, this album has some of the longest i mean almost every song i mean i'd say the average length of a song on this record is six and a half seven minutes but um it's it's got this record stretches across 18 songs and um it's it's nearly two hours long but it is a it is one incredible record i don't think there's a false moment on it there's no filler everything about it is just incredible um she's still one of the artists one of those few artists is not available on any streaming platforms um she's has a pretty harsh stance against that kind of stuff so yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to find her music it's her um, and the eagles and that's it yeah, right yeah. <laughs> hopefully they put out a collaborative record here soon but uh joanna newsom's have on me is four all right number four for me is i would say that this is the most controversial artist of the decade and the only reason I wouldn't say that is because it's the most controversial artist of the century so far. Whoa. Number four for me is My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy by Kanye West. <laughs> <laughs> Broken, the school's closed, the prison's open. We ain't got nothing to lose, motherfucker, we rolling. Huh? Motherfucker, we rolling. With some light-skinned girls and some Kelly Rollins. And this white man world, we the ones chosen. So good night. Had to be on your list. Uh, I was wondering if this album was going to be on your list or not. Mm. I will tell you this: he's not on my list. If he were going to be on my list, it would be Jesus. It would be Jesus. That's what I thought. Yes, that's what I yes. thought. Yes. Um, this is the most commercially successful record on my list, um, and this is the only this this is one of the only records on my list that came up on a lot of end of the decade lists. This, if you ask Kanye West, is is his masterpiece as well. Although nowadays I wonder what he would say. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what he would he say. He would say days. it's like Psalms <laughs> Psalm. 12, 11. I don't know what the hell is. Um, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah being a big-time Kanye apologist <laughs> it, it, it has, has gotten diff- more and more difficult the last couple it's of hard, years. Man. Um, I haven't really been wild about the last couple of things he's put out, but... Um, 
but this uh, for those of those people that consider this to be his masterpiece it's very difficult for me to argue it's a great um, record it's a fantastic record and this is where he he brought on a lot of guests from Bonnie Vare to uh, Pusha T and Rick Ross and Nicki Minaj and John Legend and some members of Wu-Tang there's Chris Rock's in there yeah Chris Rock <laughs> shows up on this thing um yeah, this is a very sweeping uh, uh, record that that, that uh, s- tells a story. It's very cinematic. Um, the, man, uh, what can I say about this record that hasn't been said by almost every music publication for the last 10, 10 years? It's, it came out. It's another one. It's from 2010. Um, we don't need to spend too much time on My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. I don't um, blame you for this at all. Right yeah, now. it's... It was. What's interesting also about this record is that uh, um, when right before, during the lead up to him putting this record out, was when he did the Good Fridays thing. So he would put out a new album or a new song every Friday. Josh and I would run home and listen to it together. You know, it's Friday. It's new Kanye song is out today, and so we got glimpses of this of this album. You know, leading up to it, I talked about this just a little bit ago in the for Devil in a New Dress. yeah. Yeah, exactly. But he would put out a new song whether it was going to be on this record or not um and so we kind of got got used to this output and you got i got to hear a little bit of this record in bits and pieces before it finally dropped in earnest but once it did right there out of the gate with that weird little monologue that Nicki minaj does at the very beginning of the record you knew you were in for something special and this album did not disappoint um, it's just a, it's, it's an unforgettable record that, that kind of has a very historic place in the decade of sure, music. Yeah. So. Damn thing's 10 years old now. It's amazing. All right. Let's start handing out some medals. All right. Bronze time. What is number three on your list of the best albums of the decade? Uh, number three for me is, uh, another record that is based around grief and, personal disaster and that's a crow looked at me from mount erie the Uh, you know, I'd already talked about it a little bit with the track Seaweed that I chose, which was ranking very high for me on tracks of the decade. This record had to be somewhere high for me. Um, I teetered with it from any of the top three spots, to be honest. Yeah. Um, this record just bowls me over. I don't know how else to say it. It's one of the only records I listen to and I get emotionally affected by in a way that I do want to tear up, honestly. Yeah. Um, because I've lived with this artist since my early teens. I know. I feel like I know the guy, you know? And so when he had to go through losing his wife to cancer when they had a one-and-a-half-year-old child, it was... Uh, you can feel it in this record. Through every single moment of this record. And... Uh, in the very Phil Elvram way, it's all recorded in his home studio. Well, he recorded this record actually in the room where his wife died, you know, and it's just uh, because it was all made immediately after the fact, you know. It had to be done that way. As just a catharsis thing. Yeah, and, that, and you can feel it on this entire record. It's the best writing he's ever done. Um, it's, uh, 
it's it's just a jarring jarring experience yeah that's kind of how i feel about my number three album um on the list my number three album on the list is my is the most recent album on the whole list for me it's from 2015 and it is very similar to all the things that you just said and that is um sufjan stevens's carrie and lowell the evil had spread like a fever ahead it was night when you died my firefly surprised to hear that this was number 11 on oh, my list really it was very hard for me to leave this off oh yes. man yeah 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 this is um i, I like the age of as uh, a lot that's love a great it. record um I, I i don't know if i can quite say that i love it this is the only sufjan stevens record that i absolutely can say that i love this thing is perfect it's a great record, yeah. It's, I, I love every song on it to varying degrees. Um, th- emotionally, I don't think another album this decade did to me emotionally what this record does to me emotionally. Um, I, I've spent some long nights with this record in various states of happiness and sadness. And it's funny that it can do different things to you depending on the mood you're in when you listen to it. Because mm-hmm. it can be very... Um, uplifting and hopeful and and and, and inspiring um, depending on if you're in that mood when you listen to it and it can also be feel so very tragic and upsetting and depressing and, and absolutely I mean, uh, I mean he wrote the record about his mother who died and he had a very uh, difficult relationship with her um, he never actually reconciled with her uh, before she died and and a lot of that uh, comes through in the songwriting and just how mournful and sad it is and just um, there's a lot of regret laced throughout this record but at times it's very beautiful and and, and um, man it's it's the most earnest and honest thing I think he's ever done um, I think so I would agree with that it's just a beautiful beautiful record I I um, love a lot of his output more output more than you do yeah um, I you know was listening to him as those first albums were coming up, you know, the the states projects that he was doing with Michigan and Illinois and all that. But uh, I love those records. But yes, um, I, Seven Swans is a record I think is great from him too. But would you say this is his best album? Though? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I think that's that's almost unquestionable. It's remarkable. It's hard to even choose a favorite track off of it. It's, yeah, I know, don't know. I know most, you know, there's a lot of standouts. Necess- <sighs> and, you know, Should Have Known Better is always the one that's out there. But, I mean, Blue Bucket of Gold is terrific. Yeah, Gun to My Head, I think um, Fourth of July might be my favorite. It's a great song. But All of Me Wants All of You. All of Me Wants All of You. <laughs> pretty is, damn good, uh, too. No Shade in the Shadow of the Cross is Th- great. There isn't a bad song on the record. It's, no. it's pretty perfect. Remarkable record. All righty. Um, we're in the top two now. All right. Silver, number two of the decade, is, uh, of course, an artist that you knew was going to show up here somewhere. It just depend, it's just a matter of where. Um, and another thing was hard, kind of choosing which album from this artist to 
get on this list. Um, ultimately, I went with this album because I think it's his most unique album. Um, for an artist that tries to uh, reinvent himself every time out, I think what Justin Vernon and Bon Iver did with 22 a million. Sure as an It's not all in what it seems And the whole thing's hard to wait A wound and you're old enough You're old enough You're holding it to fabric There's, there's not anything quite like it, you know? And um, this is when he really introduced a lot of, you know, homemade instruments and really took the vocoder even further and reached new depths. This is also when he was at his darkest time, personally. Um, and it, it shows in here. Um, but it got a lot of... A lot... He dug deep here. And it, it, as hard as it is... You can hear the anguish in him in this record. Um, it's also just one of the best things he's ever done. Arguably might be my favorite album from Bon Iver. I, um, so, I mean, with with the opener, um, you know, over soon, you know, um, and then th there's a lot of uh, mystery and decoding you can do with this album, the way it's the way the tracks are named and, and all sorts of mystery behind this album. Um, it, it, it covers a lot of range sonically too. Um, there's some songs that are deeply electronic, but there's also some songs that are kind of almost, he likes to close out an album with almost like a ballad, you know, like he did yeah. with Beth Rest. Yeah. With zero, 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 zero million in this record, he closes it out very quietly and, um, almost with a whisper. Um, but in between, there's a lot of innovation going on. Yeah, it's it's a. I'm I'm kind of surprised that this is the one that you picked because mm -hmm. I really thought the, the self-titled one would would be your favorite of the two. But but I see what you mean. But the, why you chose this because it's so much more ambitious. Well, I think that the thing I always appreciate about him the most, apart from his just great voice and songwriting that which self-titled features more than anything it, it showcases that style of him better than anything else i think his endless tinkering is on display here really well yeah yeah um and i just think that my favorite thing about him is that he's just always challenging himself in odd ways and this record is a very odd record but i just yes. think it's a great record i think it's the most odd of anything that he's done it's the most like experimental of mm -hmm. anything that he's done yeah because with um i comma i he's kind of gotten he's pulled himself back in a little bit yeah um mainly i think because he is just happier in general mm -hmm. but um 22 million is a dark record it um, sure is but i think it's so unique so it's very high for me for that reason awesome yeah what do you got okay well uh number two for me is Lonerism by Tame Impala.
It did not make Intrigue number one. Here. It did not make number one, and there's a really good reason that I'll get into. But um, th- obviously, this is a fantastic record for me. Uh, it's one of my favorite albums of all time. Uh-huh. Um, and it's it's what got me into Kevin Parker mm-hmm. um, and solidified him at like god level status. Um, I, I love every song on this record. Some of them are even better than others. Uh, Apocalypse Dreams just blows me away. Keep on lying blows me away. Mind Mischief is fantastic. And that's before you even get into singles like Feels Like We Only Go Backwards mm-hmm. and Elephant, which was on a Samsung commercial. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like uh, Why Won't They Talk to Me? Oh my God! I just I love every song on this record. Um, it is a it's a perfect album, and and it's one that I listen to over and over and over and over again. Um, both like picking out songs to listen to over again, or just listening to it from beginning to end over and over again. Um, it's probably the record that I've gotten the second most play out of uh, throughout this past decade, and so. I just, I, he's so inventive. This, unfortunately, this was the last like purely psychedelic record that he made, until uh, you know, Currents took him in a far more electronic uh, 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 kind of direction. Which, like we've said before, brought me more yeah. into his music. Yeah. And, that direction. And I can't wait. You know, in two weeks, he's got yeah. another one, Not and even. he's already Less put out two a, weeks away. He's already put out a video for the first single, and mm-hmm. it's I like that song. Um, the video's really cool, and I'm just, I'm so excited. And it also almost looks like he's ever so slightly headed back towards the psychedelic mm-hmm. while still keeping some of the electronic. Yeah. Uh, but this is, that's what I love most about him is like this neo psychedelic, like the drum, the, the drums are just incredible. The guitars are, are engineered perfectly. He's got these killer bass lines that, that you don't usually hear in psychedelic rock. And his voice is just terrific. So it's funny to me that you know we recently did just talk about how these are basically our two favorite artists, are each of our favorite artists, and we just both put them at number at two. number two. Yeah, it's so strange. But I think there's one artist that is um, producing work that is uh, just timely and better than anyone else right now, and I think we might have the same number one. I don't know. Are we going to have the same number one? I, I think I think that it, there's... If I had to give the best artist of the decade award out to one artist that has made consistently the best work from January 26th of 2010, all the way up Prolific. To, to this, yes. Um, and so my number one, I'm wondering... Uh, my number one is a bit of a cheat, I'm giving number one a tie. Oh, really? Number one is a tie, but they're by the same artist. Oh. Beach House's Teen Dream and Beach uh. House's Bloom. Could not pick, really, b- between the two. I thought you liked Teen Dream the most. I-, I thought so too, but I just I really can't pick between the two, um, and 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 they both have they both have meant so much to me through the last decade. Mm-hmm. Um, Teen Dream came out January twenty sixth of twenty ten, 
And so I've had over 10 years with that album now. Just over. And it's, I mean, it's been, it's done things for me, like, throughout my life. It's been there in, in some really, like, tough moments that, that, you know, I leaned on it for emotional support. And then mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's also sort of such a beautiful record that's been, like, inspirational for me. Um, because back in 2010, I was still, you know, I was still all, uh, a full-time musician almost, mm-hmm. you know, and so like it was a very inspirational record. And then Bloom also is every bit as good as Teen Dream, and it's just got unbelievable songs on uh, it. You know, I like I like both of these records a lot. What's your number one? I fell off of the Beach House wagon off after Bloom, but then got right back on it recently with Seven. Yeah. Um, but my number one is one. With a bullet by a long shot, and that's Blonde from Frank Ocean. Bad luck to talk on these rides. Mine on the road, your dilated eyes. Watch the clouds float, white Ferrari. Had a good time. How was I supposed to? Okay, so so you don't hey you don't have Beach House on no your Beach list. House no I don't have any okay. Beach I I thought you might have a Frank Ocean record on your list but you did not this was number eleven Blonde wow. was number eleven on my list which is why I gave it number two uh, for songs of the de- of the decade um, um, but I I kind of expected Blonde to be your number one talk about a giant. Uh, change in direction from one album to the next. Channel Orange is a great record. It is a great record. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, most would still say it is his best but, record. But Blonde is so ambitious. So very ambitious. Blonde is not only a statement of, you know, not only just trying to figure out who you are, but being comfortable with whatever you are, you know. Um, and also, it owes just as much to Elliot Smith as it does to all sorts of these other hip-hop or R&B artists. Yeah. This this album changes genres within songs. Yeah, um, there's there's interludes in, in in between songs that take you to another direction. Frank Ocean has a great respect for all art, and he incorporates it into his music. He loves cinema. He he incorporates all sorts of stuff, whether it be avant garde stuff, or you know some other things like Stanley Kubrick, yeah. or it pops up in a lot of his music. Yeah, um, I mean he's self proclaimed obsessive over the Royal Tenenbaums and there's there's like aesthetic that's similar to that kind of obsessiveness of Wes Anderson's style in his music it's just the way he incorporates a lot of cultures in one record one song back and forth is amazing while all the while being a singular artist yeah and having one of the best voices in the world uh, ever he's yeah. he's our generation's marvin gay yes um not the first time we've said it and won't be the last no yeah. no what's what's so great about about these two spots of our number ones is that i think that as far as like you you use the word prolific mm-hmm. i feel like as far as the whole decade of as a whole goes i think beach house had the most consistent discography of the whole decade you could argue. I know you that, could personally argue that Tori could too. Yeah, that's yeah. true too. I, I know I like Depression Cherry and Thank Your Lucky Stars a lot more. A lot more than you do. I think both of those are excellent records, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think from from beginning to end, their decade was so prolific that I yeah. think they had they had the best decade uh, output wise. But I think if you had to say who the most important artist of the decade was. 
I think it's hands down Frank Ocean. I think Frank Ocean is the most important. We'll remember we'll remember this decade as the decade of Frank. You know, twenty five yeah. years from now. And I keep thinking. The, the the Frank Ocean and Justin Vernon will align together so it's gonna happen. soon. It's going to happen because someday. The stars are starting to get that way. Yeah. 2016 was the year of both 20, 22 million and Blonde. They came out around the same time. Yeah. And then when you hear or read about anything that involved I, I, there's a very there's a lot of rumors that Frank Ocean was in and around the record while it was happening and just didn't make it on on wax. And these two, well, that, that's that's also, also debatable. debatable. Yeah, yeah. But these two guys are also guys who take a long while to produce something, but when they do, it's monumental. Yeah. And I think it's leading towards something, but I don't think there's anything close to Blonde, front to back. Um, it's a hard record for me to just go, I want to listen to this song from it right now. Yeah. Because it starts with Nike's, which I think you like the most. From it's this my number two song of the, of the decade. Yeah. Um, it, but that draws you in so much. And then the journey the whole record takes you on is it's the best record of the year for me. Yeah. It's, it's, it's monumental achievement. I remember where I was when this album dropped because this album dropped... The day that Josh and I arrived in Vietnam. Oh, really? Uh, is when this album came out, and so so much of 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 my experience and memory of of first immersing myself into this album was all being in a, in a foreign country. Soundtracked to Viet to Vietnam. Yeah, and I was in I was in Vietnam for two weeks while like this was the record I was listening to mm-hmm. pretty much nonstop. And uh, it's funny because this record was delayed and delayed and delayed. It should have came out almost a year before that. Yeah, but it came out that time for you. That's yeah, and so and that's why I have like such, I have such vivid memories of this record because uh, I was in such a unique time and place. And I have, and, this, and it'll always be tied to that for me. This album is linked to my everyday life in a way that I have the Boys Don't Cry magazine sitting on the coffee table. Yeah, it's your permanent t- coffee I see table it book every day. And yeah, it's, yeah. It makes me think about this record and the. The great memories from this record, and you have you have other like blonde related artwork throughout your house, like yeah, framed throughout yeah. your house too. Yeah, the the magazine came in this cool like silver packaging with "Boys Don't Cry" all over it, yeah. patterned. The record was originally called "Boys Don't Cry." Yeah, it was supposed to come out in like the fall of 2015, but it ended up coming out in the fall of 2016. Yeah, because there were so many delays, and then that that video, the the endless. Video was yes, coming, yes. teasing this, yeah, and that ended up being its own visual it's, it album. Pretty much was, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I think we're at the point where the next do we have new Frank big release is, is stirring again. I hope so because he's putting out some singles. He's putting out his his podcast or his you know his his beats show. What what's with new songs peppered in? What's odd enough is that I think we we have new Beach House coming out this year as really? well. Really? Yeah, because they're they're Didn't know that. they're getting a tour ramped back up. Okay. So and usually they don't do that unless they're about to start promoting something. Mm-hmm. So we might get new Frank and Beach House in okay. the same year. And one more thing about Beach House is I couldn't pick between those two records because they're both perfect albums. There's not a single bad song on either of them. There's no filler, and they just you know Teen Dream was something really special to me. 
well, and where I was in life at that time. And then Bloom was kind of like um, just what they did songwriting wise and making videos. You know, Eric Warheim directed one of the videos uh-huh. off of Bloom and is like, I, I really, really like gun to my head, couldn't pick between those two records. Well, and I really thought that those two records, either one of them, were better than anything else that came out, even better than Lonerism, better than anything else that came out that decade. So Teen Dream was big, big for a reason because it was their first like major piece of work it was their first like yeah two major, records before that it was their first record that had real drums on it well, like everything else was drum machines the songwriting level was so much higher it was incredible immediately incredible zebra when zebra happened you were like holy shit holy shit what's going indeed. on here? yeah you know just the guitar but bloom expanded on it too yeah and there's like even more polished production more you could tell that that sub pop put more money into the record as well bloom's a fantastic i, I think i would slightly prefer bloom between yeah. the two i don't and oh i don't blame you i do yeah. not blame you but I, I get not being able to choose between the two. Yeah. yeah. This was this was fun. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to be able to do this kind of thing again for another 10 years. If we're doing this again in 10 years, I'll be I'll be shocked. I'll be I'll, I'll be, be fine with it if it happens. I'll be close to 50. Yes. <laughs> Holy shit, you're yeah, right. I know, right? <laughs> this was a lot of fun. Um, we'll do it again next year just for the best records of 2020. Sounds to me, we talked earlier that that uh, we're only a month in and it and it looks like Destroyer's newest record is is Gonna, going to end up somewhere on your best of the year. We'll see. Yeah. But Dan Behar is on a hell of a hot streak right now. Yeah. I. I and and if I, I, there's a new uh, Bright Eyes album coming it's, out this it's year, it's gonna happen. So yeah. that'll most likely be on my ten. So this is, this is gonna be a fun year for music. Yeah. I'm glad we get to do these music episodes every once in a while. So. Yeah. Let's try to do one every. Just once. Few one a year. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe two two a year. Maybe like maybe that. we can even talk about score soon. Best score. We need to do that. Best that scores of the a decade. Music episode. I agree. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, um, we will uh, hear you next. We'll see you next time. Okay. We'll see you. We might hear you uh, on on we'll the definitely. We'll definitely see you. We'll definitely see you next time on the music harmonica. Yeah. Substitute.